All right, now you can do it whenever you want. And welcome back to another edition of the On the Board Sports Podcast. I am your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C, coming to you from Long Island, New York. It's been one crazy hell of a week. The Islanders are kicking ass once again after beating up on a Red Wings team that went, you know, they, all right, we're going to have to start over again because I fucked Don't worry up. about it. Do you know how many times I've done that with my podcast? Go ahead. I got the avalanche up over here. Don't worry. You can take as much time as you need. Gotcha. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna edit the audio out and just ne- yeah never never don't apologize to, I I do takes I I'll stop myself mid sentence and just <clears throat> go back not, I won't do that here with you but I'm just saying nobody knows about the stop and start like me so don't worry about it I understand okay yeah let me just uh... all right five seconds of silence here we go ready you do uh, your microphone is connected right yes. Do yes. me a favor. T- t- tap your microphone. Ah, yeah, you're not using your microphone. Uh, no. You, you, you're just lucky that I'm good with this. I can just tell. Uh, so so hit the settings on the bottom. Ah, here we go. Okay. Uh, and then go to go audio. to audio. And then see if your device is able to be chosen. Yes. How are we doing now? That's better. Much better. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Ain't, ain't you lucky to have me around? I am, but I'm also a slow person too. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> well, we would have just done this whole thing and you wouldn't have known. And then you would have been stuck with audio coming from your computer. I would not have realized that. You are 100% right on that one, my friend. Okay. Well, happy to do it. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Five seconds of silence and we'll go from here, all right? Yep. And welcome back to another edition of the On the Board Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C, coming to you from Long Island, New York. And yes, it is Sunday, March 5th, 2023. And it's been one crazy, crazy time since the last time I brought you a podcast episode. Obviously, the Derek Carr to the Jets stuff has intensified. The Islanders, they've been on a little bit of a roll after the uh, the trade for Bo Horvat. They played a great February, being 6-3-3. And, and look, right now they're doing they're doing their thing, trying to fight for their playoff lives right now. But, 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 I have a very special guest, and he is a repeat. He is a repeat. I'm talking with the one, the only, Andy Francis. And a repeat from what I mean by that is we had Andy on back in 2019, summer of 2019. And it was fun having him in studio at Gotham Podcast Studios. But with the pandemic, we wound up shutting down and not going back to Gotham. But whatever, it is what it is now. Three years later, we got Andy back on. Andy's been a very busy man and a very popular man at that so andy what's going on pal how are you i I would say moderately popular not very popular just yet but you know one can always aspire everything's been pretty going pretty well for for myself i've uh gotten more and more involved with hockey you know you brought me on just as a uh just because you kind of wanted to know about the bad santa story i think it started with that you just wanted the juice and the scoop on that story 
Uh, and then all of a sudden, it kind of, I think I maybe opened your eyes to the depth of my Islander knowledge and how deep I went with the team. And I think uh, if there was anything that kept you probably p- paying attention to me from a distance was the fact that casually after his first year, I told you that Devontae's was the best defenseman on the Islanders. And ever since we've seen what's happened with him. So I think, uh, I think I, I have to thank you for that, by the way, because I was so adamant about Taves and then when people, and I'm sorry to just kind of go off on an immediate tangent. It's but fine. Because I have that clip from your podcast, if it wasn't for you doing that, nobody, because I wasn't doing any sport, sort of sports talk, nobody would have had my official time dated, time uh, stamped date on when I said that about him. Because the big fake thing that Islanders fans say is, well, you ne- he never played like that. You never saw that. That never would have happened over here. And I was like, no, no, no. It happened right away. I didn't make that up for no reason after his first year. And thank God you brought me on. And thank God you asked me about the Islanders because I have video timestamp 2019 after his rookie year. Uh, staking my claim for him. So I got to thank you for that. Hey, man, listen, thank you, because you are a very, very unique individual. And I, I don't mean that sarcastically. I don't mean that very loosely. I mean that seriously. And from the bottom of my heart, you are one of the more unique personalities that I know. So that's awesome to say that. And it's factual. When Devon Taves was here, he was a difference maker as an Islander. In his rookie year, no doubt about it. I mean, he was, what, 24 at the time that he came up? But you know what? He made an impact on this team. And, you know, a year and a half later, he gets traded over to Colorado after the bubble and what happened there. So he's doing he's doing some pretty good things. So, you know, regardless or not, man, it's been one hell of a ride, uh, to say the very least, for not only Devon Taves, but for yourself as well. You're hosting your own podcast now, and let's talk about your podcast here, You're Still Here podcast, because I listen to your shows daily. I love them, and I got I got to tell you, man. You know, from from what I've heard, like just some of the just some of the comedy clips that I love hearing. (laughs) Just let's hear that. Like, where did that come from for you? Like, where did you know the You're Still Here podcast come from for you? Well. I don't know if you know this. Well, I imagine you'd know it. Well, I'll try, I'll try to run a hurry-up off on, offense on this. Well, I before any of this stuff, I was that guy who was pursuing performing in L.A. the old school way. You go to yeah. college, you go out there, try to get an agent. I was trying to act, and I was trying to get myself onto something. And it's a very frustrating experience, as anyone can you know, kind of tell you about like it's it's very it's a grueling process and until somebody chooses you you're kind of left in limbo never really knowing if you're going to make it and the more as each year went by people were starting to produce their own stuff on youtube this that and the other and eventually i started doing these parodies these comedy parodies and was posting them online they did well some made it to funny or die i probably was talking about this on the first time that i was on your podcast and then that eventually springboarded into me doing some stand-up comedy some comedy clubs were sent some of my stuff they thought it was good they gave me an opportunity to do that and i did relatively well with it so they invited me back so now all of a sudden i was doing comedy here and there and naturally if you're doing on that and you're writing some material it's a natural progression to have a podcast so it was something that i had been planning on doing and then it all this stuff with me has been a natural progression you know i i knew i wanted to perform that took me to los angeles 
eventually not being able to get stuff made me want to create things. Wanting me to create things led me into comedy in terms of like making comedy videos. Then the comedy videos led me into doing stand-up. Then the stand-up, it just, it, it's a natural progression of things. And I'm not one of these crystal rubbers who's going to be, it's like organic, man. I put the energy out there. But it was more so one step just naturally led to the next without me even really having to think about it. And it culminated in eventually me uh, releasing a podcast that would be a way for me to just kind of funnel my material into one area and also uh, put stuff, put just put as much stuff out there that I possibly could. And I knew that doing it on a weekly basis would help refine myself in many capacities. Like when you, you probably know this, if you've ever had to record something by yourself, if you look at the, if you look at yourself doing that week one and like week a hundred, there is a considerable difference between the amount of times you go, mm, um, you know, <laughs> all those little things and to how you handle things on the fly, how you're able to multitask and, I just started, I made a commitment. I said, I'm not gonna stop doing this even if things don't like really take off right away. It's always gonna be something that I have running parallel to the other things that I'm doing. And I've continued to do that, not as frequently because just because I have so much work going on now, but like you, I, I make sure that I continue to do it. And it is mostly comedy on there. Now, let me ask you this because with the way how the podcasting world has been prior to COVID really, it was like in its infancy, and now I've noticed this all over the place. Everybody has a podcast now. So did you Everyone. ever picture this, bro? Did you ever picture this? It's it's weird to say because I I was an original po- – I'm, I'm a very technologically forward guy. I will go to plat- – I had an iPhone while all my friends still had Blackberries. I had a MacBook when they all said they would never get that. I would always do something first, and I remember listening to the Monday morning podcast, Bill Burr's show. I listened to some of Mark Maron's show, Joe Rogan's original show, and this was in like 2010, 2011, and I just looked at it as a way to, in LA, when I lived in LA, you're you're spending hours and hours in your car. Everything is a long drive, and podcasts were the perfect thing, and then, you know, just the same way with the iPhone and the MacBook Pro, eventually everyone made their way over to them, and then everybody ends up having one. So it, 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 I agree. Every like Joe Blow has one, but I don't like to lump myself in with uh, lump myself in with them because if you would look at the production quality of not just my podcast but everything I put out there on my Instagram page, you know I'm not just some guy taking my iPhone talking about the New Jersey Nets or something or the Brooklyn Nets. Jesus Christ! <laughs> you're dating yourself right now by ten years. No, it's not. I'm dating myself. When you're <laughs> young, you there's a fork in the road and you either declare for hockey and you declare for basketball. That's how often I check basketball, and the answer is once every twenty years because I just called the Brooklyn Nets. That's the New Jersey Nets. Hey, there's plenty of Nets fans now that are just coming out of the woodwork, and all the national Net fans now, they're probably gone after what happened with Kevin, Kevin Durant and Guy Irving, James Arden, all that. We can even throw Ben Simmons in there too, but whatever. It is what it is there. But no, you know, you're right, and it's just absolutely crazy as to what, what the world has gone to now. It seems like, you know, whenever you, you can make – anybody can go out there – and be a content creator now, which is absolutely yeah. unbelievable. It really is. Well, especially just that whole watering down of it. I never used to say, oh, I'm going to create content. I used to say, oh, I'm going to make these movie parodies. It would be, but now we've just lumped it together. Uh, 
somebody going up to somebody going to the beach and taking a picture with their brother is now somehow creating content. That used to just be called taking pictures at the beach. It's mm-hmm. not creating content. You taking a picture in your bikini with your toes on the beach, seeing your hot dog legs, that's not creating content. That's just a picture and we've now conflated the two. Someone goes, "Oh, I got to create content for Instagram. There's just a picture of them walking down the street on and there's nothing there. I mean, that that's creating content? No. That's nothing. That's how I felt. But that's just not the case. Now you're snowboard for five seconds, put some audio from Bloodsport, and now all of a sudden you're a millionaire. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of how I feel about the whole thing. I, I take the um, Scorsese approach where I, I, don't, I don't agree with, with like superhero movies being lumped in with actual movies. You know, right. one is just more. One is a fictional camera. movie. And the other one, well, one is just one be- is just let my mind sit there and go, and the other you might have to think a little bit. <laughs> it's so true. No, you're right about that, man. Absolutely right about that. Hey, speaking of now, right now, you're working for our Odd Shark right now, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It's uh, the name of the company. It's Odd Shopper. It's Odd Shopper. Okay, of, got uh, it. Yeah, and the the bigger company is called. Uh, stochastic. It used to be awesome. Oh, they do uh, fi- like DFS, DraftKings, FanDuel, fantasy projections. And then once they expanded to uh, sports betting, they brought me on kind of, let's, let's just say they wanted to give a shot. I convinced them. I'm like, listen, I know you guys are all analytics people here. I know everybody's about crunching the numbers, but I watched the WWE my whole life. I know what sells and it's entertainment. You need somebody who mixes entertainment with these analytics and picks. And since I've went on there and I I have propped up hockey, which they hardly even had beforehand, and now the hockey numbers on the channel are matching that of the other more popular sports. So I'm over there doing NHL daily picks, and they've been going very well. The channel's been growing. The videos have been kind of semi-blowing up. And it's been nice. It's been really nice. I only started last April for the NHL playoffs, and it went so well. They brought me back, and I continue to do that. And I got to give them credit because one of the things that means a lot to me is creative flexibility. Don't don't weigh me down with, oh, don't do this, don't do that. I got to give them full credit. They let me take the reins on it. They let me be myself. And that's all I could ever ask for from a place. That's one of the beautiful things about being a quote unquote content creator and taking things into your own hands. If this was 15 years ago and I got one of those auditions in LA and I was able to get on one of those shows, you're playing by their rules all the time. And if you're able to get through this way, you, you can always remain yourself. And that's been the best part of it. I swear to you, I open videos insulting the viewers sometimes. And because I just told you, I, I grew up watching wrestling. So, right. You know, I'm not, I've always naturally been a better heel. I'm well, sure your viewers can, can, can borderline tell that by, uh, by the way, but, um, with the million dollar belt in the background. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see it back there. Yeah. 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 And, and the company and the company believed in you too. So that's, that's the main thing. You know, you, you went in there with the pitch, they believed in you and now they're seeing the fruits of your labor. And from what the numbers are coming out there for you, uh, it's absolutely unbelievable with, if, What's going uh, on? Yeah. if you were to just search the term on YouTube, NHL bets, every single day, my video is the first one that pops. Uh, I don't do videos on the weekend. 
But Monday through Friday, if you were to just go to YouTube, type NHL bets, you're going to see my big crusty mug, a nice cartoon picture that they came up with of it. And I will be the first person you see every day. We've ascended in the rankings to number one. And it's been great because hockey is hockey has been dying for a personality. And I am very happy to bring one because I spent my I'm not one of these half hockey. I am full hockey in college. I was NHL center ice package with my roommates. We played, we watched. It was always on watching Arizona play St. Louis late at night because you don't got to be up. That's That's been my whole life. And I'm happy that the uh, the accumulation of knowledge I've uh, accrued along the way has been able to help people uh, with their, whatever they're choosing to do with the picks that I give. Hey, you know what? Speaking of speaking of hockey right now, let's switch over to the team that you root for, the New York Islanders. And yeah. I think off top off off air, we were talking about 2021 Game Six Eastern Conference Finals or semifinal, the Anthony Bofillia game winner at the Coliseum, and how how so much time has passed from that perspective, right? From where everybody was in love with Anthony Bofillia, and now he's gone, and you know, we get to see how the Islanders are. It's really half and half, you know, getting to see the way how Beauvillier was as a player to where the Islanders are now. And with Bo Horvat over here, it's been absolutely unbelievable. The The January, the rough January that they were in was just absolutely downright uh, unbelievably bad. Like one of the worst in, in their franchise's history. Probably worse than the Fisherman times. At that point, with the way how in in the month of January alone, with the way how they played, but talk to us about the the 2022-2023 New York Islanders from from your perspective, Andy. Now, I have been outspoken for years. I am overly critical of Islanders fans for a multitude of reasons, but it was very it was very troublesome and bothering to me that for years. You saw teams with no structure, teams who they had good offenses. Like you're looking at the Matt, uh, the the John Tavares, Matt Barzell rookie year, where both of them were putting over 90 points. They had all the same guys who went to the playoffs the very next year. But when you run that the Doug Waite way, what do you get? You don't even get in the playoffs. And you're seeing that with a bunch of high skill. To look at Ottawa, look at Buffalo, just trying to fight their way into the playoffs despite having an immense amount of skill. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Wild have one star on their team and they're pushing for first place in the entire Western Conference. Because as long as I've been alive, will and structure beat skill 100% of the time. And to see the Islander fans just want to blow that up because of a one goal game seven lost against a team that chokes the life out of everybody in their elimination games, that being Tampa Bay, Mm -hmm. was just so disgusting to me. The disregard, like, oh yeah, we just need to shift everything to offense. And then unsurprisingly to me, when you get rid of trots and you do that and the reins, uh, you know, or the shackles have been taken off. Yeah, go ahead. You get your some more goals here and there, but ultimately you end up losing. And it's not a coincidence, and maybe it took Matt Barzal's injury to make it happen, but the best hockey this team played was when they defaulted to the previous system and limited mistakes across the board, collapse in front of the net, and make sure you're responsible. And now you're getting points in games that are not easy to get points in. On the road at Winnipeg, on the road at the Wild, and you're playing your best hockey of the season. 
And this is what I have always wanted. I never wanted to depart from that. It just is so frustrating when I had to see this last year. That you brought, everybody thinks it's about some random forward. Well, how do they explain playing their best hockey minus your all-star forward? How do they explain that? If it's all about adding forwards, how did you subtract a forward and then yield your best results? And the answer is it's because the forwards are less important than the mindset and structure and cohesion the cohesive units that exist within the team. And this is the first time this whole season that I've been pleased by the Islanders. I've been disgusted by the Islanders all season because I know that doesn't last. I know blown leads. Remember when we got into the playoffs and we beat uh, the Florida in the first round and then we split the first two games in Tampa, came home game three, blew a lead with five seconds left, lost in overtime, blew a lead in game four, lost in overtime. That style never wins in the long run. And it just made me very disappointed to see us return to a style that yields awful results for the most part after having the first successful playoff stretch in decades. Right. Right. And and, and you yeah. look at this and you look at the team right now and it's not surprising to me when you see a guy like Bo Horvat come in and just step right up the way how he has and the way how he got in his contract extension and Lou Amarillo likes to get these contract extensions done quick, early. So that way you're not worrying about the off season. I love what happened in 2018 with JT and how he and Lamarillo basically handled that. But, you know, regardless or not on the situation right now, Bo Horvat has been basically, if you look at it, he's kind of revived and put a breath of fresh air into this team right now with the way how he's played. Uh, talk oh, to us about him. Talk to us about I, him. I agree. Uh, I've really liked what I've seen from him. I wonder if the Islander fans if had their way and they signed Kadri or they signed David Perron or they signed all these people, would they have the cap space to do something like this? No. And then they would be stuck with a 30-something-year-old like they are in Calgary right now, stuck with Huberdeau and Kadri in their 30s for eight-year deals. How's that going to look as they can't even make the playoffs while they're in the best part of their prime for that one? Mm -hmm. Instead, you get a guy who's in his late 20s at the end of the contract. You know, a lot of these hockey players are still pretty good Right around 34, 35 is when you'll see the dip. So we're going to get the majority of his prime. That's a deal you, you shouldn't be too upset about. He's breathed, yes, he's breathed new life into the team, but it's more so the team fundamentally realizing what we were doing before this is unsustainable. We're not going to be able to trade chances. We don't have the young legs like that that can go shot for shot with some of these high-skilled teams. So you default to the system that works best for the personnel you have, and they do that. I don't know what level Horvat is responsible for that because they lost a couple of overtime games when he came here, very winnable games that they had leads in. They were just like the Islanders I saw beforehand. Can't trust them with the lead, can't trust them. But then once they lost Barzal, it was like, okay, we have no choice. We're definitely not going to outscore it or outscore teams. You lose Pajot, lose Barzal, you don't have Clutterbuck. It's like, we got to eke these out. And then in the process of trying to eke these out, it's like, oh, wait a minute wait a minute, this makes life pretty simple when you're countering teams and you're getting odd man rushes and you're making life easy for your Vezina caliber goalie. It's like they've had to re-stumble into the truth the same way the Islander fans have. And I'm happy that it's potentially not too late. I just My only regret is that they didn't do this from game 30. 
I don't know why they needed this long to realize that this is what it should have been the whole time. Yeah, and you see where the Islanders are right now. They just basically, they're holding on to a playoff spot right now. You look at some teams that have like four games, and it's crazy how the teams that have four games, five games in hand, it's everybody else. And the Islanders are at like, what, 65 games right now at this point? It's pretty crazy to say the very least, but they're finding their way. They're finding their groove. And the craziest thing about all this is the young energy guys that have come in to not only with with Bo, with Horvat coming in, and you alluded to the veterans trying to find their way and try and find their groove again. You see some of the young kids that have come up, Hudson Fashion coming in, playing uh, rather relatively well throughout his time. Yeah, he, he hasn't scored a goal and whatever, but you know what? He's hounding the puck and he's finding his way. You could say the same thing with uh, Arnold Durando, if I'm pronouncing his name right. He's been playing absolutely – he was playing good till he got sent down. And that's what the team needed, a team – the uh, something of fresh air right there as well. And those players needed needed to step up because Matt Bar- – let's face it, Matt Barzell with the puck, he's one of the best, right? He's one of the best skaters in the league. But there's something about him whenever he holds onto the puck too long – and when you see Bo Horvat, a number one center, coming over, and he was number two in Vancouver, but now he's the number one center here. He's going into the dirty areas. He's cleaning up the messes, and he's basically scoring on – he's scoring, you know, which is what you want to see, and he's not afraid to take shots. So, you know – Well, those would, I mean, he's got a great shot. <laughs> he does. I mean, you sh- you sh- you shouldn't be scared to shoot when you have a great shot, and I also think he understand he realizes the situation. The Islanders, you know, they are pretty devoid of talent at the moment, so you mm-hmm. have to make the most of every opportunity there is. And he's doing his best. Like, look, he's not changing the world out there, but he's playing like a consistent, very good player. And the one thing that I think is consistent throughout the whole lineup, everybody from Nelson to, to Horvat, even if you're a big-name guy, nobody is taking unnecessary risks that will leave you vulnerable on the back end. And it's why we're seeing the results. For the first time all season, we're seeing multiple teams in a row not get quality chances against the Islanders. And that is the only path for them to have continued success and a dream of any playoff success. Andy, I got to ask you about the decor now. With everything that's gone on over here, we know about the forwards. They are what they are. But the strength of this team has been the deep pairings and the structure, all that. We know about Adam Pellick. We know about Ryan Pulak. Uh, talk to us, though, about Noah Dobson, man, because he was supposed to be a guy that was really, you know, he was supposed to take a, a big step. And I've seen a lot of takes on Twitter how, you know, some people want to trade him. Others, you know, you got to be patient with him. I'm on that boat of being patient with him because he's young at that same point in time, along with Alexander Romanov. But talk to us about uh, the the player that Noah Dobson is right now at this point in time and what he could be. I have given many takes on him in the past, and I'll just kind of reiterate some of the things because I've been harsh on him and I just don't want to be the guy who repeatedly is harsh on someone year after year after year. So what I said was when you played in Trotz's system, and this is really going back two years ago, and I was justifying 
his third period benchings in playoff games. I said, you have to bench him because he is very vulnerable in his own end. He still is. And when you're trying to play Trotz's way and win games two to one, one mistake is, and not just a mistake, but a blunder, that's it. A blunder will cost you a series. When you look back at that Bruins series, you're talking about a handful of one goal games that dictated that entire series. You're talking about a two one, a three two, an over two overtimes. One mistake costs you the whole series. And in a system where you, it's all defense oriented, you have to be unbelievably hard on a guy like that. You just can't have brutal turnovers. It's unacceptable. And what I said was, okay, well, we're going to get away from that system. We're going to play a little bit more loosey-goosey. I'm going to be a little more forgiving of turnovers and whatnot because in theory, what you're giving up on the back end, you're going to be getting on the front end and you're going to be contributing to the offense. With all that said, he's been in the league multiple years now and he's made minimal strides in the defensive end. There are a few things that bother me more than any defenseman who will just be standing in front of a net and a guy will easily get the inside position on him, rebound comes, can't even tie up his stick, and then it's pounded in because that's a majority of the goals when the games matter and especially come playoff time. He's just very soft. He, he's ve- His decision-making with the puck and it's why you see these random passes, like the one against Minnesota that cost them the lead and then eventually cost them the game because that was a that was a one-mistake game, and it's really on, it's on him, is that in his own end, my prediction would be you, at absolute best, you'll see him be okay. His absolute ceiling defensively is Nick Letty. Like where it's like, okay, just hope that he just, uses his legs, does what he can, makes the simple play, gets it out of there. But his floor is an absolute nightmare. Well, some of which which we've seen. Now, many people will point to the offensive statistics as the, you know, saving grace. But I think the more, I'm sorry to sound insulting, but the more casual of a fan you are, the more you think that offensive stats mean as much as they do. When you sit on the power play, as Josh Bailey has proven, you can accumulate a ton of assists. Yeah, you're racking up points, but... Many people who work the perimeter on a power play will. However, even with that said, I think what he's offering on the front end has not offset what he does on the back end. I, I'm i not one of these people who just call, oh, trade this guy, trade that guy. I said he will never sniff Devon Taves. Not as, yeah, he will never sniff Devon Taves on a mediocre year, let alone, you know, something more than that. And I still believe that. I believe he is a, his absolute best is like a Shattenkirk type where he can contribute offensively, but he needs to be like a third pairing kind of guy. That's my belief. I know there's people who really are a fan of him and think because he's so young, but it's very unlikely that somebody's decision-making improves that much. And the statistics they point to from the 1980s where people needed to play defense for seven years before they can get acclimated is just not the case, as we've seen time and time again in the league right now. It's an offensive-driven league now. Yeah, but it's just like when people say, like, oh, well, you know, for a a defenseman to get acclimated, look at Pellick, look at... You're seeing that less and less. And also, it the book is not the book is out on how much better Pellick is than the early days because post trots, we've seen Pellick and Pulak get exposed on quite a few occasions this season. 
yes. quite a few occasions. Yeah. So, um, I. What's funny is the one defenseman who I'll stand behind is the one guy that, for whatever reason, uh, you th- you think needs to be fired off to the moon, and that's Scott Mayfield. <laughs> yeah. 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 I listen. I. As great of a stay-home defenseman he is and as physical as he is, he's a great guy. I love him. As far as the personality goes, great human being. But when it comes to just hockey player, from what I've seen from behind the seats, I'm at every game. You know, I'm at every home game. And the stuff that I see, it's just like the other night against Detroit yesterday. The guy has the opportunity to lift the puck and get it out of the zone, one, two, three, just to kill some time. And, you know, it doesn't happen. Instead, the other team gets it and they get multiple shots on net. Again, trying to get some sort of offensive zone time in there. So I so that, that's my that's my thing on it. What know? I'll say to you is, yes, throughout the season, he and it's why Taves was the perfect D pairing for him or, or uh, d- defense partner. Mm-hmm. He wanders and kind of gets lost. And he does have your 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 average gaff throughout the regular season. Right. When I'm critiquing a player, the same way I'm like, I cannot handle a defenseman who can't, who doesn't know what he's doing in his own end of the ice because I know it's going to cost them dearly come playoffs. The same way I said that about Dobson, it's the flip side with Mayfield. Mayfield's game is never going to wow you during the regular season. Every single playoffs, when the refs let a little more go and everybody's being more physical and you're allowed to battle with people in front of the net, Scott Mayfield is like the Eric Ciernak on our team. He does what's necessary and even the amount he contributes come playoff time. You're talking about that game seven goal versus Philadelphia, the tying goal mm-hmm. versus... T- he can join. He's not a true stay-at-home, stay-at-home defenseman. When the time calls for it, he'll take a calculated gamble. And the style of play that comes around around playoff time, and it's why the fourth line always comes out of nowhere and is a huge contributor come playoff time, mm-hmm. you're looking at two different sports. Regular season hockey, more skill-oriented. You're not going to get cracked as much. And then playoff hockey, where you're a big body, you're a tough guy. It's going to afford you some things that you didn't have going for you throughout the grueling 82-game season. And Scott Mayfield, along with that fourth line, are two people where you just have the foresight and wherewithal to know there's going to be some really lagging moments throughout the season, but come playoff time, they give you a huge advantage. And I could understand frustrations with random things like flub pucks and turnovers. But the thing is, he does have the playoff history to show you. That guy eliminated Kucherov from that game six. They had a one nothing lead and he eliminated Kucherov. Not even a penalty on the play. So when you're talking about that brand of hockey, I'm not saying it's the most beautiful thing. I'm not saying it's right, but that's the sport come April, May, June. And a guy like that on your team is a huge advantage to have, especially watching in front of the net when there's big bodies in front of there. For sure. Talk, talking about a big, a big defensive presence now on this team. Let's talk about the other 23-year-old defenseman that came over via trade from the Canadians for first-round draft pick. And Alexander Romanov, what have been your key takeaways on him watching watching him play this year? It's been an up-and-down season. In the beginning, everyone seemed to love him. Then everyone seemed to hate him. Now people are coming back around. 
I will give people the benefit of a doubt. I'm not going to give you a one-year judgment. I've seen tools in his game that look good. He's got good wheels. He obviously hits hard. He reminds me, I remember watching Scott Mayfield pre-trots. He was just skating all over the ice, sometimes joining. He looked like he was confused, but you saw some raw materials there. And I think from what I'm seeing so far, it looks like if you're able to refine some of those things, some of the some of those brain farts that he has, the tools in his game, I think, will be able to translate. However, you know, you start getting to two, three years, then it's a little bit harder. But we've seen one year of him so far. Let's see Let's see how he does next season. Speaking of a first-year guy, Lane Lambert, what have been your thoughts on him? I don't know. He just looks like a Dick Tracy character, and it's hard to know. He's given us so little. The only thing we really know about him is that one practice where he, you know, supposedly like lambasted Dobson. Like, is that acceptable or something? I'm, I've been saying that about Dobson for seasons, but apparently he went off on them once. We don't get any vibes from him. And I don't know why he keeps inserting Ross Johnston into the lineups. It's not doing anything. His... his Decisions seem questionable sometimes, but it's hard to get a vibe because he doesn't say much. He doesn't give you much, and that just leaves fans desiring more. Then again, he could be protecting the players, which is completely understandable, but the fact that I watched 50 games and I could not conclusively tell you the kind of style that the Islander plays, that the, the kind of style that the Islanders play, that's an indictment of the coaching. When you watch Trotz's team year one, you knew right away, oh, you're going to have to earn your corn if you're going to score against the Islanders. This Lambert team, I've been calling it Doug Waits' defense with Barry Trotz's offense for the majority of the year. You get none of the better part of the teams. And I don't know what happened recently to make them start playing. Like, I, I don't, is this come from the players? Does this come from, he's never talked about needing to clean up all the mistakes in this, that, and the other. So I have an incomplete, I, I have no clue. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. Finally, on on this on the New York Islanders right now, they played 65 games. They got another 17 games to go. And all their teams in hand, we mentioned it earlier, have 22. Some have 23 games in hand. Uh, do you see this team making the playoffs? Yes, simply because the teams that they're competing with haven't showed the ability to have any faith in them. Like Ottawa's on a tear right now. I It goes no different. It's no different than what I just said about the Islanders. If you don't play defense, I don't trust you. Buffalo doesn't play defense. Ottawa doesn't play defense. Florida doesn't play defense. You don't play defense, I don't trust you. I do think Pittsburgh is going to make it. I do not see Crosby and company not being able to make the playoffs. But those other teams... When you got Buffalo at you know on a supposed win streak, then they go home and lose against Columbus. If you do that, you can lose against anyone at any time. So Ottawa, on the other hand, they really are crushing teams. So we'll see about them. But they have a brutal schedule coming up. That they do. That they most certainly do. As of right now. But I don't want to see the eight seed. I don't want to see the. To me, I want the wild card one, or I, I am that guy. I want, I want the wild card one, or I want no part of the playoffs because I, I, I don't want to see that Boston team followed by a Toronto, Tampa. That's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. And that's going to be one of those things people will call you crazy. Then after game two, they're going to say, "Why would we make the play?" I, I can, I can tell. Yeah, I can, tell. I can I definitely mean, see that on social media too with some of the takes that that'll be there. 
you know, all that. So yeah, let, let's, let's move on from the Islanders to the NHL right now. Overall, uh, has there been like any sort of surprises for you? I know that the devils have been a surprise, uh, to say the very least. Uh, I, I didn't think that they would be like this, but at the same point in time with the talent that they had, I'm not shocked right there. Uh, is there any surprises for you this this NHL season? Well, I think I think the surprise for everybody, and now people will not think it, but if you look at two teams like the Bruins and the Vegas Golden Knights, if you look at how the Bruins ended last season, you had Bergeron, who theoretically was on the precipice of retirement. So he decides to come back for one more year. They dig up the old bones of David Krejci from the Czech Republic. Then you find out they're going to be missing McAvoy and Marshawn to start the year. And this is one of the oldest teams in the league. So you just, people wrote them off like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Like just dragging these old guys out in that division versus Toronto and the Lightning. Like didn't, didn't they get the, the signal? Didn't they get the memo? And they're coming out and having one of the best seasons of all time with some of the oldest players you've ever seen in your life. I think that should be shocking to people. And then Vegas, who everybody wrote off, wrote off as like, oh my God, that, that cap thing that they tried to pull, this is karma coming to get them. Everything, when they got rid of Flurry and then Leonard out for the year, they had to get rid of Pacioretty because of cap stuff, then Dadanov and all this, the Eichel, Eichel will never make the playoffs. And they funnel all that into being in first place in the Western Conference. And I think that... Uh, that's just relatively surprising. But people, you know, that hindsight thing, 2020, people act like they weren't saying that. Nobody thought that Boston and Vegas were going to be as good as they are. And it's part of the reasons I had faith in the Islanders to bounce back was because I have faith in teams that have been there. And I said, Vegas, I got faith in. Boston, just because of those injuries, I didn't think so. But it's why I wanted to give the Islanders another chance. Vegas and Boston did it. Why the hell didn't the Islanders? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and you look at Vegas right now. You just said it. They're first place in the Western Conference with 82 points. And then you look at some of these other teams that are there that are hanging around. It, not hanging around, per se, with Vegas, but they're right there in the thick of it. You look at Dallas with 81. Earlier on in the year, they looked like they were Stanley Cup favorites before Boston went on, on their little tear. Then you look at a young, fast team like the Kings and seeing the way how they've been playing. Absolutely unbelievable there. And then you look at the Oilers with their goalie situation. It's like, you know, they got two of the greatest players in the world right now with Tricidal and McDavid. And for, you know, the soup can known as Joey Campbell, uh, playing the way how or Jack Campbell, excuse me, playing the way how he is. And then you get Stuart Skinner uh, just going out there. It, it's crazy. And then you look at the team that had the best record in all of the sport last year in the Calgary flames, they're fighting just to get into no, the they, playoffs. They, they didn't, they didn't have a better record than the avalanche last year. They were one they, of the better had, records though. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they were first in their division. Absolutely. Yes. They have one of the best records in the league. Absolutely. But not and, the best in the NHL. Right, right, right. But that yeah. last year with the way, how they were though, they had the best yeah. record in, in their division. They looked like they were Stanley cup favorites. They lose to Edmonton at home and then the next thing you know you know everybody's hyping up huberdo with with uh with nazim kadri going over there a la what you were talking about earlier and uh you know they just 
they seem like they're stuck in neutral, man. You know, I'll, like I'll quote Rusty crazy. from Ocean's Eleven in this town, your luck can change that quickly. And that applies to both the Islanders and the Calgary Flames. Well, you look at it, they lost they lost Goudreau and Kachuk, two thirds of that incredible line for them last year. So you take that and you replace them with two guys in their 30s, one of which I believe Barkov made a career for, and he has the biggest drop in point percentage in the entire NHL. And then you have Kadri, whose numbers were somewhat inflated, the Colorado inflation, well, they'll, they'll take anybody's statistics and increase them by 30%. And now he's in Calgary, and this is what you get. You have an old school coach, not very forward thinking, and it's been a disaster. Like they play hard, but they they lack finishing, and it's been an awful year for them. Yes, it has been. And, Mar- and been... Markstrom and Markstrom has had uh, a little downturn in what he did quite, last year. So. Quite the one eighty. Quite the one eighty from what we saw from last year. And you look at where Colorado is too when they won the cup. And I understand that Nathan McKinnon went out with injury. You got other guys that are trying to fight for fight for their keep here as well. Georgiev coming oh, don't, in. Don't, don't start talking bad on Colorado because the I'm, fact that I'm they've not, stayed afloat I'm, with everybody is crazy. I'm not, I'm not talking bad about them. I'm just saying with where they were last year, and I understand injuries are part of the game 100%. But you know what? Like, you know, it, it's just crazy how – like you said, there's well, still I got, I got to stop. But it's one thing to say there's a big downturn. There was an injury. You're talking about Kadri being gone. You don't have your captain Landeskog for the entire year. You didn't have McKinnon. You don't have Makar. I mean, that that is disassembling everything. That's like saying, yeah, the Islanders didn't have uh, Horvat, Barzal, uh, Best Pelic, but I mean, you just can't survive. You cannot survive, and they did. They just hovered there, and as soon as they don't have everybody back, but as soon as they got most of them back, what are they now? Fifteen, three, and two in their life. Colorado, I believe, is going to murder that Western Conference because they're going to activate Landeskog. And the beautiful thing about when everyone was gone, Comfer and Rodriguez had to take on a big role and a similar like they had to they had to be relied on to score and contribute. And now that you got the other guys back, it's not like they 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 upped their game this year. So I believe that's that's my belief as to why they didn't add anybody at the deadline because I think their deadline addition was actually the increased roles of those what would have been role players. But I mean JT Comfort was playing incredible, Rodriguez and then they brought in Lars Eller, right? So I I think they're going to be, they're a force to be reckoned with. And always forget, don't forget about this. Whatever team comes out of the East has to go through a murderer's row. If you go through the West, you get a round against the Winnipeg Jets. You get a round against the Oilers who you sweep last year. They never hit anybody. Like one road is grueling where you got to get through the checking of Carolina and Boston. Somebody leaves those series limping. You know, there's a reason we looked out of juice versus Tampa and why Carolina looked out of juice versus the Rangers by the end of that series last year. You, you're going to beat Boston, all right, but they're going to take something out of you. And in the East, we have a lot of those. You think about Tampa having to go to seven in Toronto, come back from 2 nothing versus the Rangers. Like, they were, they were gassed by the time they got to Colorado, who had two sweeps in the first three rounds. 
Final question here on, on NHL talk here. Yeah. It's really the Broadway Patrick Kane getting traded over to the Rangers. Uh, right now, it looks like you talk about top six. They probably have one of the best top six on paper with the way how they got their their roster set up there. But there's really nothing on the back end for them outside of Barkley, Goodrow, and, you know, and the kid line, right? Now, when I'm looking at, at this team right now, their defense is suspect to me in that in that sense because like Lou says, Lou Amarillo says, you know, it's all about winning games like two to one or three to two or whatever. That's how you're going to win your games. But when you go out there now recently and you're barely winning games by like, you know, finals of like five to three or whatever or losing five to three, it's not going to help you out. What's your what's your perception of the Rangers right now? Well, we've seen two games with Kane, and in those two games, they've only been able to start five defensemen, two of which they didn't have no Keandre Miller and no Lindgren. And th- you're talking about two of the main pieces of their defense. So I'm not one of those Islander fans who's just going to make up reasons to like tell you why the Rangers are going to lose. They have a couple days off. They clearly experienced something weird happening on that power play by moving Zibanejad into the bumper and allowing Kane to operate the right side while Panarin's operating the left side. That really wasn't working out. It's going to take some time, but one of the reasons why it's going to be harder for them, like let's say they play a team like Carolina. And it's such a simplistic approach to say they beat Carolina last year in seven. Well, you're talking about A, their power play hitting at one of the highest percentages of all time B Shesterkin finding his form and playing incredible and C Carolina coming off of a grueling seven game series which is different than a Pittsburgh seven game series you've seen us play the Pittsburgh Penguins you don't lose any manpower they play a skill speed game they're not trying to out hit you but when you play the Bruins you know those Rangers faced a completely different team than the Bruins did and even though it was the same team but if they were to play this time around you're talking about Kane who's one of the worst defensive forwards in the entire NHL if not I think believe he's I believe he's the last ranked defensive forward and then Panarin who's a little bit turnover prone Tarasenko who's slow and then a team that's just trying to gel into something because they'll only have like 20 games together versus a Carolina team that's been playing together for years and it's hard to match that kind of chemistry yes on paper it's but this is not this is not a sport like this is one of the chemistry sports like there's a reason all those PSG teams didn't win the Champions League and so many Real Madrid Madrid teams, Barcelona teams, the, just stacking the best names doesn't always work. You need that chemistry. And if the Rangers played Carolina in round one, I would 100% be in like the 10% of people that took Carolina to win that series. All right, I lied. This is my last question. You just mentioned power play. Let's talk about the Islanders' power play to get back to them. If yeah. you were the coach of the New York Islanders right now, yeah, how would you fix the Islander power play? Well, power play is contingent on the parts that you have. We, although clearly somebody has instructed Brock Nelson to work on this because he never used to work all the way on the right side. They they had him in the bumper position. We don't have a lefty who can shoot one-timers, which means you don't have to shade over that way. The The best thing that you can do is have Pulak or Palmieri playing 
in the by by the left circle so that they can blast one timers. You can have you can have Dobson up top if you want. I would prefer Pulak up top in, in Dobson's current spot, not because I hate him, because I think he's the best option because he'll have the threat of a shot, but I would have Pulak up top. I would have Nelson to his right. I would have Palmieri hanging to his left, Barzal kind of in a free-flowing position, and then Anders Lee. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting Horvat. You're having Horvat in the bumper, Barzal being on the right side, left side, where he will have the ability to, to flow you know, in between. So you got Barzell working the left side, Horvat in the bumper. Sorry that this is confusing. I want Pulak up top. I want Nelson to his right. And then I want, I guess I'm removing Anders Lee, just shoving his big ass in front of the net. Because you have Horvat in there for deflections. Like it's, unless you want to take away Nelson, and this is something I've always said, if you want Barzell, well, it doesn't work because Horvat's a lefty now. But I used to say we needed to operate it like the Rangers, where they had Panarin on the right side feeding both Fox and Zabanajad, and Fox and Zabanajad for us should have been Pulak and Palmieri. So anytime he sees a lane to those two players, you can get the one-timer. Do you get what I'm saying? So I, I totally, on the right. I totally yeah, understand where yeah. you're coming from. Yes. The lack of shooters, because you need to keep these defenders honest. So since there's been nobody to shade to, yeah, Dobson can get pucks through, but it's very rare he's going to beat a goalie clean. But Pulak and Palmieri are really the only two guys. And now, you know, Borvat, Horvat plays, uh, Borvat, Horvat <laughs> plays high slot. But you want, you want those two shots to have to be respected and then pull defenders over to them, which creates wider lanes for Barzal to get the seam passed through to somebody like Horvat. So really, if we had a great lefty shot, it would fix a ton of the problems, a ton. We haven't had it since maybe Mark Streit. <laughs> wow. You know? Wow, that's a throwback right there. And it's amazing how... Ryan Pulak isn't really getting any power play time either with, weird. The, with the shot that That's he's weird. got. I know Sebastian, the emergence of Sebastian Ajo too on the offensive side of things helps out to an extent. And I, I listen, I know defensively he, it is what it is with him, but offensively he's shown strides on, on making this team better. No doubt about it, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see uh, what happens when Matt Barzell comes back in with, what the Islanders can do. And by the way, yesterday on the final power play that they had, where I think it made it three to one or four to one, I think it was three to one where they put the game on ice. The, the crisp passing is something that you want to see instead of hold on to the puck. You got to wait. You're, you're trying to wait for something to come back. And like you said, you know, it would be nice. So we'll see what happens there. Andy, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Really appreciate oh, no it. How do the people follow you on social media, and how can the people follow what you do with with the with the? Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Stuff. It's at Andy Francis on every social media platform. Not like oh, at Andy uh, the real five France. It's Andy France, like the country double S. Andy Francis. You can type that in on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You name it you'll find me on that platform. If you want the NHL videos, you can do one of two things. You can go to Odd Shopper, 
Or you can literally just type, like I said, NHL bets, and you'll see my mug. It will say Andy's NHL picks. I'm always in the top two or three. You'll know who it is. There's a big cartoon face, and it's going to be mine. And if you want to follow me on any of those platforms, it will be greatly appreciated. And if not, no hard feelings. <laughs> it's, everything's good. Andy, thank you so much for coming on, sacrificing some time with us on a Sunday to talk uh, NHL hockey with us. Really appreciate it, bud. Hope to get you back on here, man, sometime soon. Absolutely, man. I, I, once once we get, uh, I know people always say this, but I'm a big fan of in person. I'm an in, uh, I'm an interpersonal guy, so we'll do another one in person the next time we're in the same vicinity. To quote God, Bart Scott, "Can't wait, can't wait for that." <laughs> All right, Andy. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. On that note, for everybody on the On the Board Sports Podcast, I'm your host, Will Trucci, logging out. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out and stay safe out there wherever you may be. God bless.